Welcome back, Wildcat fans. I say that because you have been the force that has driven the increase in our viewership. And for that, we thank you. Leave it to Wildcat fans to help get something done, huh? Today, we look to the future and perhaps even the very present. Today, we're going to talk about the class of 2019 recruits. The 2019 class ranks 51st nationally according to 24-7's composite rankings, which puts them 12th in the Big Ten. They're also ranked 50th by rivals, which puts them at 11th in the Big Ten, and 43rd in the ESPN recruiting rankings, which is good for 11th. Now, we all know that Coach Pat Fitzgerald lives off the phrase, stats are for losers. In the last four years, NU has placed the 11th highest ranked recruits uh, collectively, but have gone 36 and 17 with those recruits, some of who have had to medically retire, by the way, which is good for sixth in the conference in that span. Only two wins behind third place Michigan. Ohio State and Wisconsin are first and second, respectively. Still, it's always interesting to see what new tools have been brought into the garage. And that's where we come in. And we're glad to have aboard the fearless leader of the Wildcat Report, a rival site exclusively covering Northwestern athletics, primarily football, Illinois' zone and proud Northwestern grad, Louis Vacare. Lou, how's it going, my man? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm outstanding. Like I was uh, telling other people, anytime I can talk Northwestern football or just college football in general, it's a good day. Yeah, I agree with you, especially uh, this time of year. It's always, you know, basketball is winding down. So, uh, yeah, we got a long way to go till football season. Right, right. It's kind of that uh, that doldrum season. And uh, I know that basketball was not the, the turnout that we hope to have for the Purple and Oof. White this year. And I, I know you've been covering them, and obviously that was a little bit of a sore subject. So it's got to be good to transition to spring football and all the hype leading up to August 31st against Stanford. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there was definitely a disappointment this year for the Cats on the hardwood. And, uh, you know, they've got some recruiting holes to fill now. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty around the program. So, yeah, it's uh, let's let's talk about football. A lot, lot better subject in Evanston these days. Sure, sure. So, well, aside from basketball, Lou, how have things been going for Wildcat Report? Is this the busy season for you as we wind down the spring and gear up for uh, the, the summer leading into uh, fall camp? Yeah, not really. I mean, it it used to be, you know, it'd be pretty busy around this time of year. I would say that the busiest time is uh, probably December, January, just because that's when you got like, you know, football's got official visits. You know, this right. year they were in the Big Ten title game. You got yeah. bowl game prep and all that kind of stuff. Then basketball is going on in December. You know, they start in November. So that's right. that's when the most content is churning through. You know, it used to be busiest around national signing day in February, but now that's become sort of, uh, you know, uneventful. It's kind of anticlimactic. Um, you got the early signing day in December now. So now there's two of them. Right, and then right. nowadays, you know, Northwestern, they wrap up their class before the football season even starts. They had 18 right. of 19 this year that uh, were committed. So it's kind of all a formality after that. So that's really not that big a deal anymore. So yeah, right. it's, uh, I mean, We've got, you know, spring practice going on and stuff. So that's interesting. And a lot of visitors coming in and out every week that, you know, you're tracking Twitter and stuff like that. So that keeps us busy. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, not not as busy as December, January. I think that's probably the busiest time of the year. Yeah. And like you mentioned that now that December signing day, do you find that uh, Northwestern is kind of in a u unique position in, in that it seems like, like you mentioned, they pretty much have their class wrapped up um, 
at the beginning of the season or even by midseason. And so that's something that the coaching staff doesn't really have to push too hard for um, in the December and January months. Do you find that that's unique to Northwestern or are there a lot of programs now that are starting to, to have that same trend? Yeah, that's the norm. I mean, that's uh, recruiting is getting, you know, earlier and earlier. The cycle accelerates every year. Yeah. You know, it's uh, from when I started. So I started doing this in 2004. And, you know, that's when they got they'd get most of their commits in December and January. Like that was the scramble time when they're getting their commitments. They'd have their official visits in December and and get their commitments in January. And there was a lot of uh a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of traffic and a lot of commitments to cover and things like that. And then it's yeah. just been going earlier and earlier and earlier. And now, you know, halfway through the summer, they're pretty much locked up. So it's uh, it's really changed and it just keeps accelerating. You know, Northwestern uh, offered a 2022 kid, a high school freshman last couple wow. weeks ago. So it's just, uh, you know, they're they're recruiting 20 2020 guys yep. and 2021 guys. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine being a, a freshman in high school, getting an offer from a division one program. I mean, that just seems like, I mean, you're hearing about that more and more nowadays and some of it might just be a publicity thing. I don't believe that um, it's, it's, that way for the cats. But I mean, just you're hearing, you know, like you said, freshmen, sophomores, um, guys who are, are kind of being pressured to make that decision at the age. Uh, I mean, they can't even drive some of them and they're already having to nail down what school they're going to go play for in, in three years. So that's just a, a crazy concept to a 38 year old guy like me. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It is. It's um, and, you know, so this, the, 2022 kid Tyler Morris who's a local guy from Nazareth Academy and he visited yeah. and they offered him and you know ninth grader played one year of uh, varsity football and he's got five Big Ten offers already and it's this I mean he's going to be a huge recruit I mean this but for sure. Northwestern that's very rare I mean they it's the only freshman that I can recall I mean we heard about things like this in the past I remember gosh I, I remember when Lane Kiffin when he was at USC offered like an eighth grader and that was yeah. like a huge story right but now it's becoming northwestern who's always kind of behind the curve a little bit with that kind of stuff and they've got to look at the academics and things so you right. know now they're offering a ninth grader so it's it's just getting earlier and earlier I, you know pretty soon they're going to be offering grade school kids you know it's yeah. it's crazy yeah i think i saw that there was a um there was a middle school kid who just ran uh, you know, 40 times off the charts and allegedly was having programs who were uh, putting offers on the table for him. And again, yeah. kids in middle school. So, uh, I mean, basically playing uh, the equivalent of like, you know, flag football where he's out in space and, and doing those things, but it's not as organized, obviously, as, as the high school level is. And um, I mean, that's, that's where we live in today. And it's, you know, makes it fun as a football fan. That's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, every good harvest, Lou, comes from a, a new batch of crops, and each year it's a different plot. So tell us about some of the top recruits that Coach Fitz and his staff brought in on the offensive side of the ball that we'll likely be hearing about over the next four years. Well, for 2019, you know, the, the class that just signed, I really like what they did at wide receiver. I, I think they've really got a lot of talent coming in. It starts with uh, Jensen Hooper-Price, who's a Houston kid. Mm -hmm. He's kind of unlike anybody we've seen in Evanston before. He's like six foot five and he's got track speed. You know, he runs yeah. track 
in high school. And, you know, Northwestern's had plenty of fast guys and they've had plenty of big guys, but I don't think they've had them both in the same package quite like sure. uh, Jensen Hooper Price. You know, he, yeah. had, he had offers from Notre Dame and Florida, among many others. And, you know, I kind of look at him as uh, Dwayne Bates, if you're old enough to remember him, right? It's, oh, yeah. Uh, he's kind of yeah. like Dwayne Bates, but a little, yeah, but a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. He's like, uh, you know, Kyle Prater with wheels. You know, yep. Kyle wasn't the fastest guy, but uh, this guy can uh, – He's got some speed. So I think, you know, they've got him and then they've got a couple slot guys. They got uh, Bryce Kurtz is another track kid from Brownsburg, yep. Indiana, put up some big numbers, very productive receiver. And then they got uh, Malik Washington as another guy uh, from Georgia. These guys are kind of, they're smaller speed guys, you know, and right. I think that that was Northwestern's bread and butter for a long time. And they kind of got away from that a little bit, but uh, I think you got, you know, two guys, those playmakers in the slots that, you know, just find the open space, get them the ball and let them do their job. You know, I think that's, it's, it's a big weapon for Northwestern always has been. And I think with those two guys, especially on the inside, I think, uh, you know, the future is going to look pretty bright and it gives Hunter Johnson some pretty good uh, targets to throw to. Sure. Yeah. It, when you when you talk about Hooper Price, uh, Kyle Prater was the first guy that came to my mind. But I, th I think the comparison to Bates is maybe even a better one. So um, and yeah, in Mick McCall's offense, especially with those those killer crossing routes, a guy like Kurtz who can use his speed and like you said, find the green and, and get the rock in his hands and then, you know, just get to the sticks and, and beyond, hopefully. Um, and and as many Wildcat fans are aware, he was a high school teammate, not for long, but was, you know, went to the same high school as Hunter Johnson. So there is that, you know, slight familiarity that the two of those have. And um, it's, it's got to be good to see a familiar face, especially with that quarterback receiver relationship dynamic. So, yeah, absolutely. So what about defensively? Um, now we know that this is really the foundation of this Northwestern team and this program. So uh, who do you think adds their name to the Wildcat lore on the stop side of the gridiron? Um, well, you know, it's, I should preface all this by saying it's, it's really hard to tell. I, I don't think yeah. Fitz knows at this point who's going to play. He's got to see him, you know, and, right. and pads and stuff like that. But, um, I, I think they've, I, I like what they've done in the defensive backfield. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, the cornerback, especially, uh, Cameron Mitchell is a kid out of Bolingbrook in suburban Chicago, which is a big time program. And, yeah. um, and Roderick Hurd who's uh, from Michigan, actually, up up in your neck of the woods from Farmington Harrison there, who's yep. a you know, powerhouse program that's actually closing, right, this year. Yeah. This yep. is the last year for Harrison. So, um, but, uh, you know, Roderick Hurd was a, a running back, quarterback, corner. You know, he's one of those dynamic athletes, and he was all state, and he made the Harrison all-time team, which, uh, you know, I talked to him. Uh, just before he reported, because he's one of the early enrollees, and that's something mm -hmm. he was really proud of. You know, that's a program that produced 13 state titles, and yeah. they've, they've they've had a lot of players over the years. Sidney Stewart, uh, Northwestern fans remember him, a wide yep. receiver, came from Harrison, and right. they put out you know guys in the NFL like Drew Stanton and Devin Funchess, and yep. you know, long proud history at uh, Harrison, which is closing this year. So yep. uh, Roderick Hurd is kind of last of a breed. So I think those guys, um, you know, and those guys, you know, could be playing right away. I think they'll be candidates. And then uh, Thomas Gordon is a guy I like too, the the super back, you know, he's yeah. a six foot five kid. He's a bigger guy, uh, very athletic. And he's, um, 
you know, he, he was the very first commit. So he took his right. name off the board really early, but then several schools came after him afterwards. LSU offered him a scholarship. So I think he's yeah. a guy that, uh, could really bring a dimension to the super back, you know, which is very thin to begin with, right. With the loss of, uh, Cameron green, who had, right. uh, you know, retired. And so they're a little thin there. So he's another guy that might be able to see the field this year, I think. Yeah. And I had him, uh, marked down as, as maybe an early contributor as well. Um, and not just the loss of green, but, uh, Trey Pugh has been banged up this spring and I think he's been held mm-hmm. out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, aside from Green's retirement, they also lose seniors James Prather and Trey Clock. Now, granted, those guys are more the the blocking aspect of the super back position, but um, you know, from an offensive standpoint and from a playmaking standpoint, it's kind of you know we we want to see the Cats get back to that uh, that more of a receiver type, the Danny Vitale, Drake Dunsmore um, type of uh, super back receiver. Do you think that Gordon kind of fits that mold, or is he more of the um, is he more of the, the ground and pound type, uh, I'm going to uh, destroy you at the line of scrimmage type super back? Well, I think he's definitely, I think, got the athleticism. But he is, you know, he's six foot five, two 225. He's a right. big kid. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's going to get in the, the training table and get in the strength program. He's going to put on quite a bit of weight. I think he could right. be, you know, he's going to be on the line. I don't know if they're going to flex him out too much, you yeah. know, at that kind of size. He'll probably be at the end of the line. But, you know, you look at Cameron Green and Garrett Dickerson did a lot of damage from there. So I think he yeah. can be a more dynamic weapon on the line for them. And maybe he could uh, follow in the footsteps of Trey Clock. You saw the Holiday Bowl, right? Got the oh, big yeah. touchdown. Yep, and then the and about the uh, the five square foot uh, chunk of sod in his uh, in his grill. That was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think of, he'll get quite that big. <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah, Trey was Trey was one of a kind. Um, yeah, speaking of Roderick Hurd, uh, I I just missed out on coaching against him. I, I coached one season at Royal Oak High School, and we had to go and play at Farmington Harrison. And I, I walked across the uh, the fifty yard line before the game and talked to their legendary coach John Harrington. And you know, he welcomed yeah. me into the league and said, uh, you know, how's it been going so far? And I said, well, things could be a little bit better. We were we were really the uh, the 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 school that should not have been in that league. And, and for those who are not familiar with Michigan state uh, high school football, that's really the premier league in the entire state. I mean, a lot of division one talent has come out of the, the OAA uh, league there, but anyway, um, you know, we, uh, we faced some, some pretty big dudes uh, against Harrison that week. And uh, it was, it was kind of a night that I was glad got over quickly because yeah, they, they just turn it out year after year after year. And, uh, you know, that's all a credit to Coach Harrington. And it's kind of a, a shame that they have to close that school down due to numbers and whatnot. They're kind of merging. But, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm anxious to see Roderick put on the pads and, and suit up for the purple and white this year. Yeah, and John Harrington was the only coach they've ever had. He was there like 40, I don't know, 48 years, something yeah. like that. I think yep. it opened like 1970, I want to say. Yeah, yep. so he was the only coach they've ever had. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned earlier, the the list of state championships on that banner just—I mean—it's almost like a an old-fashioned scroll, you know. Just unwrap it and uh, st- give me give me yeah. about twenty minutes of time to to read it all off. So, um, well, Lou, are there any guys that you think might be able to um, 
to to contribute this season based on either uh, talent or need or both. I know you had talked about the receivers. Um, I look at a guy like Bryce Gallagher, and the reason I, I throw his name out there is obviously you know his brother Blake has has done great things at linebacker, but he was committed early. And um, I, I've seen him around the program quite a bit, um, him and his dad, you know, obviously watching Blake play. So you figure he maybe has had a little bit of a beat on the defensive playbook and the system maybe more than anybody else. And, um, you know, with the, with the graduation of Nate Hall, you know, there's, there's going to be, you know, a little bit of thin uh, play at linebacker, uh, you know, in terms of uh, – Mm-hmm. They've got redshirt freshmen coming in this year, redshirt first years, who uh, they were able to preserve their redshirts. So it's not to say that they don't have anybody at linebacker, but you figure that everybody's got that fighting chance um, who's not named Fisher or um, Blake Gallagher. Yeah. And, and another guy to watch there, too, is uh, Michael Janzi. He was an early yes. enrollee, right? So he's going to get right. – he's, he's going through spring ball right now. He's got yep. several months on the guys coming in. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Though, you know, that's not always a barometer either. There were a lot of guys that came in last year that didn't play very much or only right. played in the four they're allowed. So, yep. you know, it, it's hard to tell. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Gallagher, is, I think, is a candidate. I think Hurd could play, like I said. Uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Gordon, you know, just yep. cut of the, the you know super back is kind of a thin position yeah. um another guy to watch i think could be jason gold I, I, they're not yeah. terribly deep at defensive tackle and he might be one of those guys that has the the body and the you know the, the size speed combination to be able to play as a freshman that that's a big step up not many guys are able to do it but um you know the guys that have uh, alex and sam duke miller and yep. uh, you know, Ernie Brown and, you know, they were all from Texas and so is Jason Gold. So maybe, you know, he's another guy I think that uh, could possibly see some time. We'll have to see. Yeah. I kind of made some notes to myself that it seems like those Texas boys are, uh, see their way to play early. I mean, like you mentioned the Miller brothers, obviously Patty Fisher, um, I mean, played as a redshirt freshman, but at a, at a very important position. So, uh, you know, I also had questions about Corey and Azima and Brandon Joseph at the safety position being, a little bit thin and inexperienced at that safety spot with, with some of their graduations recently. I mean, obviously Jr. and Travis are going to lead the charge there, but uh, behind them, it's kind of, uh, you know, you want to see a little bit more um, depth spread out. So, you know, both those guys being from uh, college station and then also Houston, Texas as well. Um, two, two names that I kind of have on my radar uh, at that position. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've got those written down too. And, um, you know, and those are guys too that, uh, you know, even if they don't uh, make the two deep, they're guys that could uh, make an impact on special teams as well. Right, exactly. So um, another name that I had written down, and this kind of goes to my next question of, are there any guys who you think are kind of on the fence, whether they go offense or defense? And the guy I've written down is uh, Duke uh, Olgus, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Um, I know he played, you know, he's brought in as a defensive lineman, but because we, we have maybe more depth at that position than at the super back position, is he a guy who they might give a shot at at the super back position because he played tight end in high school? Or do you think that he's kind of locked in more so on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think he'll be on the defensive side. Now, sure. he could be one of those Trey Clock kind of guys or James Prather, like in a jumbo package. Maybe right. you bring him in. You know, that could be a possibility. But I think they want to give him a look at uh, defensive tackle. He's he's a guy that, uh, you know, I think he gained like 40 pounds from the first time they saw him yeah. in the spring to the to the fall, you know. Okay. Um, 
And so they initially were looking him at, uh, you know, I think they were looking tight end and they didn't think he'd be big enough for offensive offensive tackle. And they weren't sure he was quick enough for defensive end. And then he gained all that weight and uh, they saw a guy that could be kind of explosive in the middle. So they, they found, found a position for him, which is how he got the offer and everything. So, yeah, he's going to at least start his career there. I I think that's, uh, that's where he's destined to play. Well, good. Yeah, that's uh, definitely one of the most important positions on a defense is right up the middle, right up front. So good to hear from from Duke. Um, so you've talked to a lot of these guys, if not all of them, Lou. Um, what were some of the more interesting stories from this recruiting class? Maybe some backstory that, um, you know, somebody has or, you know, something funny or interesting that you found out in your conversations with them? Yeah, Um I think to me, the most interesting guy is Dominic D'Antonio, who's an offensive lineman. He's going to be an interior guy, a guard. He's like a 6'4", 280 from Woodstock, Georgia. Yeah. And this is a guy that he was a catcher in baseball. So he, he, he never played football until last fall. Wow. And, you know, obviously, you know, I was talking to him and, and to me, like the guy's six foot four and 280 pounds. Yeah. I mean, at some point – you're going to outgrow baseball. You know, yeah. I don't know if they make your <laughs> pads big enough, you know? Right. So but the, the guy's got phenomenal feet and it, it showed up right away. You know, he, by week seven of, so he'd been playing seven weeks of football yeah. by the seventh game. He got his first scholarship offer from Charlotte okay. and he eventually got 21 before he um, committed to Northwestern in April. Nice. So this is a guy that's played, you know, one year of football and never played it before, never played peewee football or anything like that, was a baseball player, comes in and he's he's like this, got that natural athleticism that they look for. You know, it's all about feet and flexibility and things like that. So I think in terms of, you know, he was, uh, he got a three-star rating, but I don't think anybody thought of him as a high recruit. But in terms of a ceiling, you know, you look at a guy like that, that that's raw. He, he's that raw, mm-hmm. but he has all the physical tools. So it'll be interesting if, uh, you know, Kurt Anderson can get the work on him yeah. and really kind of maximize that potential yeah. and see what he turns into. But for a kid, you know, get his first scout. You know, there are guys that play all those years of football, nine, ten years yeah. since they were, you know, third, fourth grade right. and never get an opportunity. And this kid comes out and after – you know, his seventh game of his life, he had a scholarship off. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is great. And I, you know, I think of someone like, and I'm not comparing apples to apples, but I think of someone like Ziggy Ansa, who um, came to BYU actually from a different country and was playing, I believe, intramural, um, intramural, intramural volleyball, I think. And somebody went up to Bronco Mendenhall and said, you got to give this kid a look. And he says, well, how long has he played football? And they said, well, he's never played football. And he said, okay, well, I don't know that we got time for that. And they said, no, 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 coach, you're going to want to give this guy a look. And so I uh, brought him on, I had him in for one practice and, and said, uh, can we offer you a scholarship? Can you play like now? And, um, you know, the rest is history. So fortunately, I, I, I get a chance to watch him as, you know, he takes a feel for the Detroit Lions and hopefully they can give him a little bit better supporting cast. But uh, <laughs> that's another story another time. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, first round draft pick. Ooh, that kid yeah. was a high, high pick. Yeah. yeah. So just goes to show if you've got, you know, talent and athleticism in one sport, it certainly can translate if you've got the, if you've got the will. So, um, yeah. So all the best for Dominic. I hope, I hope that that does pan out the way that it sounds like it could. So. Yeah. It'd be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
Talk about what you've seen, Lou. You've been around the program quite a while. What's What do you see of the progression of Coach Fitz and his use of first-year players during his tenure? Yeah, he talked a little bit about that last year, you know. And, well, you know, now they have the rule where you can play four games right. um, and not have to redshirt. So now, you know, he's going to play as many as he can, at least those four games to get their feet wet. Yeah. But, you know, you saw over the years, you know, he – used to be his philosophy was to redshirt as many as he possibly could figuring that you know a player in year five is going to be more developed uh stronger physically more you know capable in his fifth year than he would be in his first year um and i think that was out of necessity because they were recruiting mostly developmental guys and you know northwestern had traditionally gotten a lot of guys that might have had a couple lower power five offers and, you know, a lot of Mac offers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, in the last, uh, you know, several years here, they've gotten a much higher caliber guys that I think are more ready to play. So you've seen the number of freshmen uh, that, that he's played as, as skyrocketed really over the last few years, yeah. you know, and they, they played, I think it was last year or 2017, I think it was, they had the, like 25 guys, you know, first year players, whether freshman or redshirt freshman. Yeah, right. Um, so it, it's he's he's really evolved, and it's it's because of their recruiting and that guys are ready to play earlier. Yeah. And I think it's you know they're doing a little bit better job getting more finished products that are ready. And and I think too, you know, part of it is you know the the way these guys train and develop now, and they're working with coaches and trainers on their own on the side a lot of times. And, you know, they they play football year round almost. I think, you know, that's, that's part of that impact too. But yeah. um, there's no question that he, you know, it, it used to, he used to always frame it as his philosophy, but, you know, he kind of told us last year, well, he, that was his philosophy because that was the necessity, yeah. you know, that they couldn't play guys right away and they had to develop them Right. where now he's getting guys that have the ability to, to make an impact. And if, 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 you know, if they, if the coaching staff feels like they can make an impact in their freshman year, they're going to play. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I remember hearing him talk about when he was a, a true freshman and how he felt that he was played too early. He was not ready. And here's a guy who won back-to-back Bednarik yep. Awards, um, considered to be one of the best linebackers in Big Ten history, uh, maybe one of the best in college football history. And and he'll fully admit that uh, his freshman year, he was not ready to go. Um, and, you know, I, I love the story about when he was playing on the goal line against Boston College and got trucked by one of their backs. And, and that's when he realized that he's got to work out harder. He's got to lift more. He's got to, you know, understand the defense a little bit more. So to hear him tell that story and talk about how, you know, the old school mentality of how, you know, 18, 19 year old kids, maybe not physically or mentally ready for division one football, but we've seen the progression of how these athletes have gotten better, both physically and mentally. And, and like you said, the necessity of, of, okay, we, as a program, we've got to put these guys on the field because they're going to give us the best chance to win. Yep. That's exactly right. Um, so then last thing I want to hit on here, Lou, is the, uh, you know, this whole transfer portal has been a buzz topic this off season, but Northwestern hasn't seen shaken from it aside from Charlie Fessler, uh, moving on to Richmond, nor have they been aided by it as much as other schools. Is it academics or why do you think that is that Northwestern doesn't really seem to be a, a player in this, nor do they really need to at the moment? Yeah. And, and Fessler was a surprise, you know, yeah. I, I know it shocked Fitz. Fitz had no idea that was coming and he was right. as surprised as anybody. 
Yeah, because he had um, a pretty darn good but, game in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, that was kind of something we were looking at is like, okay, this is going to be maybe somebody who's finally now blossoming at that wide receiver spot. And then, yeah, he comes out with the news and it's like, okay, no more Fessler. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think they're going to necessarily miss him that much or anything like that. Right. But um, I think he was going to be a contributor. Yeah, I don't think he was going to be a starter or anything no. like that, but he would have been in the wide receiver rotation. Sure. Um, you, you know, for Northwestern, first of all, there's not a whole lot of scholarships that come free. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they have one of the lowest attrition rates in the country. You know, guys don't flunk out of school. Right. Guys don't get kicked out of school. Guys don't get arrested and thrown off campus. And very, very few guys, you know, Charlie Fessler was one, but very, very few guys transfer. You know, mm. they hold on to their guys for four or five years. Yeah. So they don't really have a whole lot of gas. And that's, you know, for transfers, I think it's, fulfilling needs, right. you know, that's it's when you have, you know, so, and they did look at some this year, you know, there, there was a couple kids out of Harvard. One, I remember justice Mosley, um, justice Shelton Mosley was yeah. his name. Cause I remember him, they recruited him heavily, uh, out of high school. He was a big time wide receiver out of California and, and shocked everybody by deciding to go to Harvard. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they took a look at him and there was a running back as well from Harvard and yep. there was, um, a defensive tackle from Rice mm -hmm. um, that they were interested in, but you know, I, I don't think any of them went very far. Yeah, um, you know, so they, I, I don't think they're opposed to it philosophically or anything like that. I right. think they're they're going to look at the portal. I just don't think there's going to be a whole lot of opportunity because there's not a whole lot of scholarship slots available. And, right. and one thing too, I think you know, you brought up academics. It's obviously, you know, that's always a hurdle for Northwestern and, right. and something I didn't know until recently is that, you know, the transfers, like if you're a grad transfer, it's not only your college grades they look at, they'll go back to the high school right. grades and see if you qualify for Northwestern as well. So yeah. it, it, it is a hurdle academically as well. So, you know, I think they'll take a look from time to time. And if, if one makes sense, you know, they've had some guys over the years and, and, uh, Jay Collins, the punter this year, is a great example of a guy that uh, really filled a need for him and, and had a good year yeah. uh, last year. Yeah, he did. Really, kinda, yeah, shored up a punter position that was kind of in flux. You know, I, I didn't know where that was going last year. So that worked out really well. So yeah. I think, you know, th things like that will happen from, you know, time and again, but I don't foresee any. You know, it's it's not going to be a, a big part of their plan or anything like that. Right. And and that as a Northwestern fan, that's one of the things that I really am most proud about. And and when people ask, you know, what's what's your draw, you know, it's you take a lot of pride knowing that there isn't that attrition. There you don't have to worry about reading um you know, headlines online that so-and-so was arrested or um, in academic issues or having, you know, internal team problems or whatnot. I mean, and, and that goes to show that, you know, all these recruiting numbers, uh, you have to put a big asterisk next to it because Northwestern recruits their guys. They recruit the quality character guys that they know that they can trust within the system and they can just go to, to play in football and not have to play babysitter to some of these recruits where other programs maybe don't have that same luxury. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, and there's been a, a few incidents in the past, but they're very few and far between. And, you know, Fitz always talks about uh, recruiting the fit. Right. You know, they, they look at guys that fit their program, fit their personality yep. and things like that. And, 
you know, they've, they've got a pretty good track record of success and they've certainly unearthed some, uh, diamonds in the rough over the years yep. and that other people didn't see, uh, you know, the potential there. So yep. yeah, that's it. Fitz is going to stick to, you know, his, his game plan basically with recruiting. So the transfer portal is something to look at, but I don't think it'll be, you know, it'll ever be a uh, big part of it. Well, look, Lou, uh, you know we love talking Northwestern football, and we thank you for sharing your wisdom and insight. Please be a friend and join us again, will you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime, Tim. I enjoyed it and uh, look forward to having you contribute in the fall again. And yeah. if you ever want to, you know, talk cats over the summer or those, uh, the, the long haul until the fall, yep. right? Uh, anytime, just let me know. You got it. You're the best, man. The Northwestern Insider helping us keep pace with all that is purple and white, simple and right. Keep grinding, Lou. Well, that's going to take us into the locker room on this edition of the Wildcast. But before we touch the Trust Yourself sign and head back to the locker room, I want to thank our guest again, Louis Vacare, the Northwestern football program for all the good they do, but also you, the listeners, and those of you who beat and eat for Wildcat feats. Keep us going and bring that pride out to Ryan Field this fall. The ride is just getting started, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to a Wildcast edition of A Bowl Full of Chips. I'm Chappie, your Wildcat insider. Fred Farther fame, fight for victory, and as always, go Cats! Ah, ah.